As we continue our series through Holy Week, through the servant songs of Isaiah, today we come to the fourth and last of the servant songs. This is actually the longest of the servant songs. It extends to the end of chapter 53, so we'll take it up again tomorrow. This is one of the most quoted and referenced passages in the New Testament. It's fascinating for me to wonder if Isaiah knew the significance of what he was writing but clearly he's on to something big. So I invite you now to stand, if you're able, for the reading of God's word. Our text starts in Isaiah 52, verse 13, and goes through chapter 53, verse 3. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, His appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him for that which has not been told them they see and that which they have not heard they understand. Who has believed what they heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. We all come into the world longing for acceptance. I think about newborn babies. They look up at us. They reach out to us. They're expecting to be embraced, and we do embrace them. But sooner or later, we all know we all experience rejection, and we all wonder why. There are these big or small moments of rejection, and it doesn't really matter how big or how small they can so easily define us. I didn't make the cut, so I don't cut it. Or I didn't get into the school or the group, so I don't belong. Or that person didn't love me back, so I must be unlovable. And it's this pain we feel that expresses the distance between what we think we deserve and what we actually receive. Scientists say that rejection actually activates the same pathways in our brain as physical injury. So the emotional pain of rejection can actually be as great or greater than the physical pain of getting hurt. I remember breaking my wrist playing indoor soccer in fifth grade, and I can think about that now and laugh about it. But if I recall those harder moments of rejection in my life, it's like the pain comes rushing back like it just happened. And we're not alone. No one's really immune from rejection. These are just a few examples that I found interesting. Albert Einstein failed a school entrance exam at age 16. A music rep told the Beatles in 1961 that guitar groups were on their way out. Steven Spielberg, I read, was rejected by USC film school not once, but three times. It's a famous story that Michael Jordan actually was cut from the varsity basketball team in high school one year, 
And J.K. Rowling's first Harry Potter book was rejected by 12 major publishers before she was signed. And what's interesting in all those examples is the difference between what we know about those people and what we think they deserved and what they actually received and therefore received as a hard rejection. We've all had that moment that left us wondering why. And the why isn't so much a request for an answer. It's more like a cry of anguish. Why, Lord? Why did this happen? If you've been following our journey through this week through the Servant Songs of Isaiah, you may start to pick up on an interesting progression. In Isaiah 42, Monday, we saw Jesus as the chosen servant who brings justice to the nations and seems like a really hopeful prophecy. No danger really seems to be lurking here. And then Isaiah 49 on Tuesday, we saw Jesus as the missionary servant. The call goes out to the coastlands, to the ends of the earth. The servant will be a light to the nations. Again, nothing too dark here. Yesterday in Isaiah 50, we saw Jesus as the obedient servant, opening his ear, listening to the Lord. He's not rebellious, but the weather seems to change. The dark clouds roll in as he gives his back to those who strike him. And he doesn't hide his face from disgrace and spitting. So for centuries, Israel would have to wrestle with the dissonance in these servant songs. If the Messiah is the Lord's chosen, missionary, obedient servant, seems like he's doing everything right, shouldn't he be accepted? Shouldn't this song be in a major key? And yet the tension grows even stronger today in our passage. In these six verses, if you look at them, note the dissonance. The major and the minor chords side by side. 52.13, he shall act wisely. 52.3, he will be a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. 52.13, he shall be high and lifted up and exalted. 53.3, men will hide their faces from him. 52.15, he shall sprinkle many nations. 53.3, he will be despised and rejected. If the servant songs are an album, the first two songs are crowd pleasers, right? We want to hear that song. But the next two songs leave us confused. Will the servant win or will he lose? Will he be exalted or will he be humiliated? Will we understand who he is or not? How can the servant bring justice if he's rejected? How can he be a light to the nations if there's all this darkness swirling around? In this world, it seems like it's the strong and the beautiful and the rich who win. We're not ready for a servant who appears to be weak or unattractive or poor. If the arm of the Lord has been revealed in Jesus, this is not the arm we expected. We, we were looking for big muscles, not a rejected servant. But there's glory here. If we slow down, if we lean in, this is where we see that there's no one like Jesus Christ. We all come into the world expecting acceptance, but Jesus did not. No one knows the rejection of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Who else has experienced the rejection of a fallen angel or the rejection of the first people created on this planet or the rejection of every person since the Garden of Eden? Isaiah's writing these words around 600 years before Jesus was born, but if you imagine from God's own perspective, it's like the son had eternity to prepare to be rejected. He knew what he was getting into, so why did he come? 
If you knew that this was going to happen to you, would you come? Would you go? At the bottom, sin is rejecting God. It's rejecting his law, but also rejecting his love, rejecting him altogether. We don't want him. We want something else. It's rebelling against the king and then putting ourselves on the throne. You and I have rejected God. Sin is our deep and desperate problem. And if we really understand that, the conversation has to change. Because we need more than a superhero to fly in and impress us with his strength. We need more than a teacher to come in and wow us with her wisdom. We need more than a general to come in and squash our external enemies. We need a savior to rescue us from the sin that clings so closely. And you could say, from the rejection that we actually deserve from God. We need to be rescued from the rejection we, we deserve as sinners. So Jesus didn't come to give us what we want. He came to give us what we don't realize we need. That's why so many people miss Jesus when he came, and we can still miss him. That's why he has to give us eyes to see him for who he really is. He didn't come like a king. He wasn't born in a palace. He was born in a barn. He didn't appear like a mighty oak tree. Isaiah says he grew up like a young plant. Think of a little crepe myrtle shoot that we would just snip off with our clippers. Jesus didn't get our attention. He didn't seem significant to us. We esteemed him not, Isaiah says. We were expecting someone else, so we rejected him, either outright or we just weren't paying attention. We ignored him. To understand how we rejected Christ, it's helpful for me to zoom in and try to make it personal, to try to see myself in the story. So think for a minute about Jesus' face. The face of the Word become flesh. The face of God that no one had really ever seen and lived to tell about it. And yet Jesus says, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. This face we spit upon because we rejected him. Now think about his feet, the feet that walked perfectly in step with his father, the feet that eventually grew weary from all the walking and all the ministry, the feet that were headed toward the cross. And we said with Peter, this shall never happen to you. These feet we would not follow because we rejected him. Or think about his mouth the mouth of the one who spoke the world into existence, the mouth of the prophet, the word of God himself, the mouth that would summon the dead, think of Lazarus, and offer us life. This mouth we silenced with phony charges because we rejected him. You think about his back, the back strong enough to carry the weight of the world, the back of the good shepherd himself who carries his lambs on his shoulders, the back that he refused to turn on us even though we kept turning our back on him, this back we flogged because we rejected him. And then think about his hands, the hands I imagine he used to hammer nails in his father's workshop as a child. The hands that touched lepers and the sick and the blind. The hands that reached out, took hold of Peter when he was sinking on the waves. These hands we nailed to the cross because we rejected him. 
and we could say much more, but what I want us to see is the deepest rejection, as hard as it is, is not what we experience from others. The deepest rejection is what Jesus Christ has experienced from us. We despised and rejected him, so why did he keep going? Friends, he kept going because he loved us. You may be asking today, why have I experienced such rejection? And I have compassion if that's where you are, but I don't necessarily have all the answers to that question. But I would gently encourage you to think about asking a different question. Why have I rejected the Lord? And then go one step further. And yet why does he still love me? In 2 Corinthians 5.21, Paul writes that God made him, talking about Jesus, God made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So when Jesus was on the cross, paying the price for our sins, the Father looked upon him on the cross, and what he saw was all the horror and all the guilt and all the shame of our sin. And so for the first time in eternity, on that Friday afternoon, the Father turned away from his Son. In our place, Jesus was all alone and rejected and condemned. And he asked, why? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it wasn't a cry for answers, I don't think. It was a cry, the ultimate cry of anguish. Why was Jesus rejected? Because of our sins. Why was Jesus rejected? Because the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit love us with a love beyond our comprehension. Jesus was rejected so that we would be accepted. He was forsaken so that we would never be. He was cut off so that we would be brought in. If we focus on being rejected, we'll see the distance between what we think we deserve and what we actually receive, and we will experience pain. But think about what Jesus truly deserved as the perfect Son of God, and then think about what he actually received. Focus on the rejected servant, and you'll see the distance between what you actually deserve as a sinner and what God gives us in Christ. And you won't experience pain. You'll experience joy, because that's grace. Jesus experienced what we deserve, that rejection, so that we might enjoy what he deserves, love and acceptance as an only son of the Father. So remember the Gospels. Think of all the desperate people who come to Jesus by faith. Does he ever turn anyone away? No. Jesus longs to embrace you as you come to him. In your sin, come to Jesus. He is a friend of sinners. And in your sorrow and grief, come to Jesus. He is a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He will not turn you away. You have rejected him. I have rejected him, but he will not reject us as we come to him through Christ. The father would have to reject his son to reject his people. And we know that the father will never reject his son. No one could have imagined how he would do it, but our God has resolved the tension in the servant songs through the injustice of the cross. God has brought justice. And through the darkness of the cross, Jesus has become a light to the nations. 
he was rejected. But now he's high and lifted up and exalted, as Isaiah says. His sacrifice is sufficient to sprinkle the nations and cause kings to shut their mouths. But what about you? What do you see? You've seen Jesus as the chosen servant, the delight of the Father. You've seen him as the missionary servant sent by the Father. You've seen him as the obedient servant faithful to the Father. Behold the rejected servant. When you see him rejected for you, how will you respond? Let's go to the Lord now in silent prayer.